Next, this month's special series, Focus on Cancer. Throughout the month of April, ReachMD talks to experts in the field about new research channels and treatment options in cancer care. Another step toward personalized medicine. One hospital is now testing all tumors for genetic abnormalities and providing targeted treatments based on the results. How will this impact the way we care for our cancer patients? You are listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman. Joining us to discuss tumor genotyping, customizing cancer therapy, is Dr. Leif Ellison, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Associate Physician at Mass General Hospital in Boston. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Ellison. My pleasure. Now, we've certainly all heard of testing for susceptibilities to cancer, like the BRCA genes. What, what you're doing here is different, isn't it? That's right. What we're testing for are, by and large, abnormalities which occur only in tumor cells. So these are not inherited genetic abnormalities, but they're abnormalities that occur that turn a normal cell into a tumor cell. So they're specific for the tumor and specific for an individual patient's tumor. And I imagine this is done after biopsy and breaking down the DNA? That's right. And in fact, one of the major focuses of the work in Mass General has been to be able to apply this as broadly as possible. And so we've developed a platform where we can do this genetic profiling on the DNA extracted from the formalin-fixed paraffin-embedded tumor specimen. So everything we can do, we can do on the routine diagnostic tumor blocks, and we don't have to do special tumor banking or collecting of frozen tumors. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Is this a new technology? It's an adaptation of currently available technologies. What we've done that's new is to be able to do this in an automated fashion. So we have set up uh, robots which can take, using a very small punch biopsy from a paraffin tumor block, can uh, convert, we can do about 100 tumors in seven hours on the robot, and we've developed a specific technology to be able to do this in a fully roboticized fashion to go from the tumor block to the DNA. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And uh, can you do it that rapidly because you're targeting for specific mutations that you're looking for, or are you really looking at the entire DNA? So it's a good question. So the part that I'm referring to that, that occurs within seven hours is simply the extraction of the DNA from the tumor. The entire process of uh, assaying the mutations from that DNA takes a bit longer and takes uh, a few days, and there's multiple steps involved in, in that. I imagine that also has to rely on computer-assisted technology, and, and it must be quite sophisticated. It is, although you know, we spent a, quite a bit of time, more than a year's time, testing a series of different platforms to be able to do this mutational testing. And ultimately, we decided on one of the more simpler platforms because it was very robust in terms of the signal-to-noise ratio, and that's important because of factors such as tumor heterogeneity that we find, contaminating normal tissue. And so we had to find a technique that was very reproducible, relatively simple, and had a high signal-to-noise ratio. And what we eventually settled on was a, an existing technology called a, the snapshot technology, which is initially designed for detecting single nucleotide polymorphisms for genetic studies. And so we simply adapted it to look at specific mutations in the tumor. So we're not looking at all the DNA. We're not doing all the sequencing. We're looking at single base changes in areas where they're known to occur in hot spot cancer genes. So you have some idea beforehand where you should be looking for specific mutations. That's right, and that's an important point about this approach. Our approach is not to find the new cancer genes. We have lots of labs in the cancer center which are working on those sorts of approaches. What we're doing is to pick out ahead of time the genes which we believe to be the most clinically relevant and relevant for therapies which are either currently FDA-approved 
in clinical trials or likely to be in clinical trials in the near future and pick the genes that are relevant for those therapies and then put those into our panel. So these are known cancer driver mutations that we're testing for. And has Massachusetts General decided to make this standard for all cancer patients? It's a good question. So we're now in the process of ramping up the throughput of our assay. You could imagine, because we want to do this in a clinical way so that we can report it to the clinicians in time for them to be able to make therapeutic decisions when appropriate about the results of the test, that we have to guarantee that we can do it in a reasonable turnaround time. So currently at Mass General, we're doing on a routine basis only the lung cancer specimens. And then as our ability to go through higher throughput improves, we'll be expanding to other tumor types on a routine basis. I never thought of the the time element in a practical clinical way is key. Yes, you can imagine for research, my, I have a laboratory that does research as well, and we do many assays, and you know, we get it to work when we do, but for a clinical test, you really have to be able to tell the physician when that assay will be back, and it has to be within a time frame for these patients to make decisions for cancer treatment. And how many cancer treatments would be able to target based on some of these results? Currently, there are a limited number of targeted therapies. One good example is, of course, something called erlotinib or Tarceva, which is targeted against the EGF receptor, and that it's now uh, established that for these Tarceva and related compounds uh, to work, most patients whom it works on have an actual mutation in the cancer cell of the target of the, of the drug, which is the epidermal growth factor receptor, or EGFR. And there are currently only a handful of those drugs where we know very well that a specific tumor genetic abnormality is highly correlated with the response to the therapy. Another example would be trastuzumab or Herceptin therapy for breast cancer, where we know that there's a genetic amplification of the HER2 gene, that that's strongly correlated with the response to the targeted Herceptin therapy. There are currently a handful of those, but there's a much larger group that are now in clinical trials and an even larger group in the pharmaceutical pipeline that are entering clinical trials where we want to try to match these up, not only as a way to improve therapy now, but also in the future to allow better matching and a more efficient way to do clinical trials. That, that is very exciting that there are so many in the pipeline and, and it should be very helpful clinically, but I, I can see also in trials it would be very exciting to have this information. Are all of the mutations that you identify related to important processes of the cancers, or are some of the mutations just a a label and and not really a a good target? That's an excellent question. And so it seems clear from cancer biology and other sorts of research that for a mutation to be something that really is associated with response to a targeted therapy, these have to be really important mutations that are functional and just, as you say, not passenger mutations. So all of the mutations that we test for are known what we call driver mutations. In other words, they drive, they themselves affect processes that drive the cancer cell, and those are the ones that are most tightly correlated with the response to targeted therapies which hit those specific cancer pathways. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with us is Dr. Leif Ellison, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Associate Physician at Massachusetts General Hospital, and we are discussing tumor genotyping and how this may customize cancer therapy. Dr. Ellison, thinking of some of the real toxicities of certain therapies, would your work help certain patients to avoid going with medicines that could be toxic and not that helpful? That's absolutely true. I mean, if you look at the history of, for example, how 
clinical trials have traditionally been done. You take an agent like the Tarceva that I mentioned earlier, which targets the epidermal growth factor receptor. Initial trials gave this agent to all lung cancer patients, for example, and only a small fraction responded. And then ultimately, it was discovered that the patients who responded were those who had the specific mutation in the target of the therapy, the EGFR. And so had we known that ahead of time, we could have spared all of the patients who weren't going to respond to that treatment, and they could have gone on to other treatments for which they might have a better chance of responding. Uh, target therapies that might be efficacious and then ones that would not be efficacious and just cause uncomfortable side effects. That would be wonderful clinically. You mentioned that you, when you do these studies, you kind of know where to look and that you're looking at lung cancer at this point. Are there other particular cancers that have mutations identified that you want to expand to? So there's a number of very important ones. One example that's now becoming quite clinically important is a specific mutation which tells you what therapy not to use. So, for example, there's another therapy that targets the same epidermal growth factor receptor, or EGFR, in colon cancer, and that therapy is called cetuximab. And it turns out that it's very clear now that if a tumor cell has a mutation in a parallel pathway called RAS, if a tumor has a RAS mutation, it's not going to respond to the cetuximab therapy, whereas if a tumor does not have a RAS mutation, it's much more likely to respond. So that's a case in colon cancer in which we'd want a test that would tell us specifically what therapy not to use, and that's now a clinically accepted practice. And there are other examples as well. I think of melanoma. Are you aware of any work being done in terms of targeting therapy for melanoma with this type of technology? Yes, so as many physicians are aware, there's one key driver mutation that is very common in melanoma called BRAF or BRAF, and BRAF mutations occur in a large fraction of melanomas, and there are a number of different medications in the pharmaceutical pipeline currently in clinical trials that target BRAF or the BRAF pathway, and so we're very excited to see how well the presence of these BRAF mutations in melanoma are going to be able to predict whether these therapies are successful and allow us to treat uh, the patients that are most likely to benefit from the therapy. I'll also say parenthetically that it's also known that these BRAF mutations are not exclusive to melanoma and that they occur across a wide variety of other cancers, although at lower frequency. And so we believe that the approach we've taken at Massachusetts General Hospital to approach as many tumors as we can might allow us to pick out that small fraction of, say, colon cancers or biliary cancers that might themselves also have BRAF mutations, and then you might use the same therapy for those that you would normally use for a BRAF mutant-positive melanoma. Very interesting. So you can find a specific genetic abnormality in different types of cancers. Not, it's not just unique to a specific organ. That's right. And that's part of the new way which we as oncologists are thinking about cancer. So histologically, we can look under the microscope and say it's a breast cancer, lung cancer, or colon cancer. But indeed, what we're finding is that in order to be able to treat these tumors most effectively, we have to know something about the molecular makeup of that cancer. And indeed, a tumor which has a specific molecular abnormality, even though that abnormality might be more common in some other cancer, might respond just as well to a therapy such as Herceptin we would otherwise use in breast cancer if that tumor had, for example, HER2 amplification, which is the target of Herceptin. Very, very interesting. And, and I don't know if the, I'm thinking of other types of malignancies that are more difficult to treat, ovarian, pancreatic. Are, are there any developments in these areas? There are indeed. We well know about the frequency of RAS mutations in pancreatic cancer. There's some indication that some of those cancers might also have uh, BRAF mutations and that potentially those cancers might be more susceptible to a targeted therapy for uh, BRAF. In addition, we believe that looking at, again, these combinations 
of genetic mutations are also going to be predictive of potentially what might be successful therapy versus unsuccessful therapy. So rather than focusing on one pathway, again, our approach has been to look at many pathways because different genetic events in the different pathways might interact and might therefore predict success or failure of the treatment. On a more practical, everyday level, this sounds to be very time-intense and and labor-intense. Who is paying for this? Is there a grant? Do insurance companies cover any of this? How does that work? It's an excellent question, and I think that one of the roadblocks to developing these sorts of technologies is that it takes a lot of infrastructure support to develop the assays, for example, the way that we did to be able to apply it across these formerly fixed paraffin embedded specimens. And we were fortunate that we had philanthropic support and institutional support and strong collaboration with our molecular pathology department to be able to develop this platform and this assay. And ultimately, it's known that some of the mutations that we test for already are reimbursable clinical tests, such as EGFR mutation testing, now RAS mutation testing, HER2 amplification testing. And over time, as these new tests become proven in terms of their clinical applicability, it's clear that the ability to bill and have reimbursed for these services is going to become greater and greater. And it would make sense, although with insurance companies, I'm not sure that always matters, but if if you have a therapy that is more efficacious, has fewer side effects, in the long run, it should be cost-effective. We both believe that that's true, and it's especially true in the situation where many of these newer compounds are going to be therapies which are on-patent therapies, which are quite expensive therapies because they're new. And if you know that certain patients or a large fraction of patients who do not have the genetic driver abnormality are very unlikely to benefit from those medications, you can spare not only the time and toxicity but also the cost of those medications. Is what you're doing at Mass General now something that is widely available or will be available? If a patient is interested in in having this type of analysis, do they need to come to you? It's a good question, and many centers are doing similar efforts and are in different steps of the process. Some centers, for example, are doing testing, but they will only give... Uh, a clinical report on, for example, the EGFR mutation or the RAS mutation, which are the most widely accepted. And so because the field is moving so quickly, our approach has been to try to put that information out there as quickly as we can. And other centers, again, are adapting these technologies. Other centers are using different platforms to do this, and time will tell which platform seems to work the best. And as time goes by, there will be more and more of these assays being performed by more centers. Well, I want to thank Dr. Leif Ellison from Harvard Medical School, who has been outlining a very exciting development in a relatively new field of genotyping cancers in order to target specific therapies. This has been the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals, ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please also visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Cancer. For a program guide, complete list of shows, and podcasts, please visit us at ReachMD.com.